0: And it was interesting and strange at the same time because I actually didn't think it was a spiritual dream because I woke up thinking that was a weird dream. Um, And so I'll just start with this. The the title of my message is called The Glorious Church, and it doesn't seem really like it's going to be about The Glorious Church, but I'll get there. So um, how many of you want to be a part of The Glorious Church? right? This, the, the church of revival, the church who's walking in signs, wonders, and miracles, the church that is filled with his glory and shining forth his glory. This is our aim. This is who we are. We're in these last days, amen? This, is, this should be who we are. So, but anyways, my dream. So, in my dream, um, my parents were still here in in the earth, (laughs) and we were um, in a different building or whatever, um, but we were planning or having a conference, and we had Jim Hockaday with us. He's one of our guest ministers we have come in. He'll be here in June sometime, Um, but anyways, um, we finished the service, and Clayton, myself, my son Jude, and um, my parents were going to take Jim Hockaday out for lunch, and um, one of the places... From close to the other building that we used to be in is P.F. Chang, and so we'd always often take them there, and um, so we're gonna take him to P.F. Chang. I don't know if it has anything to do with any regarding the meaning of the dream, but whatever the case, um, we're gonna take him there, and um, it was kind of noticeable that the restaurant was a little dirty, like we were finding stuff on the silverware. There was you know debris on the ground it was just kind of noticeable like I was like looking around kind of embarrassed Um, and then um, in this dream Jim Hockaday asked the waiter where's the restroom and this waiter knowingly knew that there was a restroom close by to where we were sitting but he knew it was dirty and he's like don't go to that bathroom but go to this bathroom that's over here and he directed him to this bathroom that was um, clean And um, (laughs) I woke up. I was like, what in the world? (laughs) And when I woke up, I I didn't think anything of the dream whatsoever. And funny because it's the actual message. But anyways, when I woke up, um, didn't think anything of the dream. I was like, weird. Um, I don't know if you've ever had prayed before bed and asked the Lord to speak to you in the night, and then you have a really weird dream that seemingly isn't spiritual, but then it ends up being... So this was the case. And um, I prayed that night. I was like, Lord, I really want to hear from you in the night season. Like, I ask you for a spiritual dream. And um, whatever the case, the Lord's been speaking to me on this topic. If you were here Wednesday night, he was speaking to us um, very simultaneously. Um, Austin was leading, but God had spoken to me the day before about purging our vessel about cleansing our vessels so that it would be a vessel pure and holy, fit for his use, right? So God's been speaking that to me, but I didn't realize this dream was anything to do with that. Anyways, and so I woke up, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, and this is early in the morning, and I'm not an early bird, I'll confess, but um, I heard the Holy Spirit say, if you get up now, I'll download your message. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I love the downloads because it's like do you ever you know put in a zip drive into your computer and boom it's like everything's on that zip drive right it's like boom it's really quick it's fast and it's easy when he gives me a download his yoke is easy his burden's light and so i i've gotten over the years, learned that if I'm trying to get a message, it's the wrong message. But when I'm in the spirit and a download happens, I know by the spirit of God it's the right message, right? So he he woke me, or I woke up from this dream not realizing it had anything to do with my message, didn't have my message yet, and it's later in the, in the week already, and um, I heard the Holy Spirit say, if you'll wake up now, I'll download your message. Okay. So I kind of like rolled out of bed, got my coffee, went and sat in the living room so I wouldn't go back to sleep. And this, so I'm praying. I did my devotions. I'm praying and spending a little soaking time with the Lord. And all of a sudden, this dream comes back to me. And I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? And then all of a sudden, he started speaking to me. And he just started talking about the dream. And he said this, wouldn't we all think it's gross if a restaurant was dirty or the bathroom of a restaurant was dirty, after all, it's a place where you eat. And I was like, that, that's true. And then it dawned on me, oh, he's talking about my dream. <laughs> and so he's essentially given me what this dream was about. He's, um, so he said, if a bathroom is dirty, wouldn't you think, what about the kitchen? The man in the dream directed um, Jim to go to a bathroom that looks clean because he knew the other bathroom was dirty. Yet we need to realize, and this is the Lord just speaking to me, yet we need to realize even though something may look clean, there are secret rooms or secret things in people's um, rooms of their hearts and their lives that are dirty Even within the church, within the body, where we go to eat, spiritual food, right? Within God's temple, which is our vessel. We want to go eat in a restaurant, but when you walk in and it feels dirty, and you go into the bathroom and it's just dirty, you think about what's that kitchen look like, you know? not trying to gross you out before lunch, but we have cleaned. We've done a good job here. <laughs> but the Lord was just talking to me about this. He said, you know, he sent him to a bathroom that was supposedly clean, but there's different parts of the same building that's dirty, and that's kind of gross. But we need to think about our lives our hearts. We may have things looking pretty good on the outside or maybe looking pretty good in certain areas of our hearts or our lives. But what about those secret bathrooms? (laughs) What is a bathroom? It's a secret place, right? It's, It's supposed to be a secret place. And what about those secret rooms or compartments of your heart or your life that maybe people don't see, but let me just say, nothing is a secret from God. God sees it. God knows it, right? So um, we would probably call a restaurant disgusting, wouldn't we? If it was dirty, if the kitchen was dirty or a bathroom was dirty, um, you'd probably give it a, a fail review. <laughs> Yet, we're the temple of the living God. And he's supposed to come in, Share meals with us in our temple. And is it clean or is the bathroom dirty? And we're trying to be like, no, don't go in that room. Come over here to this clean area. He sees it all. He knows it all. Right? And and I... I preach and I, and I, I want to stir up in you the desire to want to be the glorious church. But the fact of the matter is, is if you're going to, if you desire God to consume you and fill every part of you, you're going to have to give him those places that are dirty so that he can go in and so that he can clean them out. But the thing is, is he is a perfect gentleman. And unless you welcome him in to that bathroom. Unless you welcome him in to purify, to deliver, to set you free, he will not. I I just think about Adam and Eve. You know, they were clothed with the glory of God. They were clothed with the glory of God. And what did sin do? It caused them to hide from the presence of the Lord. It didn't cause them to run to the presence of the Lord. And then it caused them to want to cover up. You know, they're covering themselves up with leaves and they're trying to cover up sin. They're trying to look on the outward as presentable and clean and pure and holy and ready and fit for the master to use them, right? That's what they were doing. They were trying to make it look like everything's okay. How often do we come through those doors and try to make it look like everything is okay when it's just not? And God knows. And I'm not saying stay outside. (laughs) This is the place you need to be so that God can do a work and his anointing can destroy every yoke of bondage and set you free, right? But we need to realize we're not fooling God. And he wants You to be the glorious church. He wants. To shine his light through you. He wants. To, to stir up the gifts of God in the inside of you. He wants to use you as a vessel honorable and fit for his use, but you must welcome him in. And, and, and in the dream, Jim Hockaday is kind of like a symbol of God. You know, he, He's a minister, so in my, in my dream, he's, he's, he's with us, and it's embarrassing that he's seen the dirtiness in this restaurant. And here we are, children of God, who have the God, the the, the one who created the heavens and the earth, living and abiding on the inside of us. And we should be embarrassed if we're allowing things that are unpure, unholy, not cleanly to the Father. Because He does see it. There's no getting around it, telling Him to go to only this place or that place in your heart or in your life. He sees the dirty. He loves you anyway, but he sees the dirty, and that place he cannot fill unless you let him in to clean it. We're so careful when it comes to (laughs) a restaurant. Fork falls on the ground. We're like, can we get a new fork? Bathroom's dirty. You're going to tell the hostess or whoever. You're going to tell them. Something's in your food that shouldn't be there. You're going to be grossed out, probably not going to back to that restaurant. But yet, do we do the same due diligence with our own temple that God constantly is in? We got to think of ourselves as not our own, but the temple, the house in which God lives. Right? Right? So we're talking about our temple keeping us clean and pure and holy, but then also the temple which we we come together to worship in. If we keep our house clean, then the temple will be clean. The house will be clean. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, he says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? He lives in you. How many of you know that the ones who live in your house know the dirty spots? (laughs) They know if you need a vacuum. They know if the dishes aren't done. You know, they know if different things aren't kept. Well, he lives in your house. We're not fooling anybody. You can put on a face. You can put on a nice outfit for us on Sunday. But you're not fooling God. You want to be used by God, and maybe you've been itching to be used by God. Like, like, won't they notice me? Won't they notice my gifts? Won't they notice the call of God in my life? Yes, God knows what he put on the inside of you, and God also knows when you're ready and fit for the master to use you. So I just wrote down, how often is the body of Christ concerned about the outward appearance, how we look to the world, how we look to other believers? But really, it's not the outward that God is concerned with, but it's the heart of man. Why? Because we're his bride. And he's coming, and the word of God says, for a pure bride. One without spot or wrinkle. Clayton and I had a little discussion this morning about, he's cooking this morning. I told him to wear this. This um, did you bring it? You should be wearing it for me. Um, <laughs> he has an apron because when, when you cook, when you're a real cook, um, you just get in there and get all dirty. And <laughs> so I bought him an apron that says Chef Clay. <laughs> and anyways, we were deciding what he should wear today, and he always likes to wear black. And I was like, Why don't you wear a color? He's like, What well, is going to be grease and this and that. And I was like, Bring your apron. <laughs> What's my point? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, we're concerned about the outward appearance. God is not concerned so much with the outward appearance. He's concerned with the heart. He's concerned with your temple, the house in which he lives. He's coming for a bride, and it says, one without spot or wrinkle. It's pretty clean. There might be some spots or wrinkles on those tablecloths downstairs. Please don't judge us, okay? We had to hunt down enough tablecloths. <laughs> we need to dry clean them. Um, they're clean, they just may be wrinkly. <laughs> but he's coming for a bride that's without spot or wrinkle. That means one who has dry cleaned. One who has gone through the washing and the purification. One who has been careful to not let things in that will taint, that will poison, that will cause your water, the, the, the living water that lives on the inside of you to become dirty. Now, he, he, we can't become righteous or holy on our own. So don't think that uh, you're not doing enough and, and, and you're not praying enough and you're not, you know, you cannot become holy or righteous by anything you could do. It's all by the blood of Jesus, right? And it's by the washing of the word. But here's where Christians don't understand and they get it wrong. Yes, Jesus died and he's not dying again. He died for all the sins, right? And and, and he shed his blood for all the sins. But the problem is, is most Christians aren't applying the blood. The Bible says if, if you will confess your sins, then he will be faithful and just to forgive you from, uh, cleanse you and forgive you from all unrighteousness. So you have to apply that blood. It's not enough to know about the blood. You've got to apply it. And let it do its work. Let him cleanse you. It's not enough to know the word, but it's you have to get into the word and you got to bathe in it. What does that mean? Let it do its job. What does that mean? When it shows you something that you're not doing, make the adjustment and start doing it. When it shows you something that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, let it cleanse you and pull that thing out and make the adjustment. He's talking about coming for a pure and holy bride, one without spot or wrinkle, but you're not going to be without spot or wrinkle unless you wash with the word and cleanse yourself with the blood. Why should we do this? Because God wants to use you. And he's returning and he's returning for a bride that's ready. I don't think that there's anyone who absolutely 110% knows specifically this line that we should be walking. And and if we're too far over here or we're too far over there, what's gonna happen? Are we gonna wait gonna have to wait, you know, like I don't know, I don't wanna get into the revelations. Why not, <laughs> oh, that's what Pastor Nick and Austin are for. Um, why not just be ready? Why not not walk the line? Let's just stay on the safe side of things and stay in the perfect will of God and live a life that's pure and holy and righteous. And how do I do that? I look at the word and see what's pleasing to him and I stay with it that, amen, amen, Or if I mess up and I kind of tiptoe over here a little bit and I mess up, I, I ask the Lord for forgiveness. I wash myself and cleanse myself with the blood of Jesus and I get back in right standing with the Father. It's not enough to know about the blood. It's not enough to know what's right and wrong because even the devil and his angels know right from wrong. But it's a matter of you doing it, of you applying it right didn't the devil t- tell jesus all these scriptures you know and, and and he he was trying to detour he knows the scripture he just twists it he tickles people's ears so that it, so that they do only portions of it and 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 convince themselves to believe oh god's okay with that or god will forgive you from that some somewhat true but god is also um making sure that we're being responsible and we are responsible for our own actions and we need to be walking in in a way that's pleasing unto the lord and if we know something's displeasing the lord we shouldn't even go that direction why 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't look at his appearance or at the height of his stature. He's choosing a king. Who's worthy to be my vessel? Right? And so he's looking at these men, and from the outward, man, they looked tough. They looked like king material. They looked clean. They looked put together, right? But then it says, Don't look at their stature because I have rejected him. Why? Why? Because God looked at the heart. He wasn't ready to be a vessel fit for the master to use. For, God looks at the out, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so isn't that true? That so many of us, and I'm sure we've all fallen short in this area, have been so concerned with our outward appearance and not so concerned with the maintenance of our heart. It's a constant maintenance. It's not like a a once saved, always saved kind of thing. Because once you get saved, you now have a responsibility to live holy as he is holy, righteous as he is righteous. To live to please God. Now, he doesn't want you to do it by your own own strength. He said it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. He has given you the Holy Spirit to, to give you strength, to show you the right way to correct you, to instruct you. So you've got a helper. He shed his own blood so that those sins could be washed away. And he gave you his word so you can't say, I don't know, because it's right there and it's your responsibility to hear it, to see it, to do it. We should be really concerned with what God sees, what God knows. And what's pleasing to the Lord. In Ephesians five twenty six and 27. This is the scripture that. I mentioned a minute ago. That he might sanctify and cleanse her. Talking about us. His bride. With the washing of the water. By the word. That he might present her. To himself. A glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Well, that sounds pretty, a pretty high bar. (laughs) Well, that doesn't mean you should just like give up and not strive towards it. Like I said, he gave you the Holy Spirit. He gave you his power. He gave you his anointing. He gave you his instruction. He gave you his teaching, his guidance, right? So we've got this massive, awesome helper to help us do that. He didn't leave us alone to do it. But then he also gave the word, which, by the way, has power to divide soul and spirit, joy and I mean, I mean, his word is power. And when we apply it or speak it or do it, it has power to shift things in the spirit. And he gave us his blood. So that if we find ourselves and we fall fallen into sin, and I don't think anybody can just fall into sin. It comes first as a thought, then you gave place to the thought, then you go give place to doing it. So if you're not doing the word to begin with, which is cast down the thoughts and imaginations that are contrary to what God wants, if you're not doing the word at first, then you're going to get into sin. But if you get into sin and you didn't do the word and you get into sin, Then he says, then use my blood. He's always given us a way to get back to being a pure bride. And that's who he wants. Who wouldn't want a pure bride, by the way? I once used this example. I'll throw it out there again. You know, who would want a bride who partied all night the night before? I mean, the world might, I don't know. But partied all night the night before, slept in the clothes that she wore the night before woke up she's waking up late for her wedding day she doesn't brush her teeth her breast stinks she stinks because she was sweating from dancing all night just painting a picture here for you and then she shows up with her makeup from yesterday that can look weird and her hair all crazy Who wants to marry that? Yet this is how we present ourselves. If we're allowing sin in our lives, we're we're doing the things that the world does. We're not washing ourselves with the word, making the adjustments we need to to do by, by hearing and doing the word. We're not confessing our sins, and so therefore we're living in sin. That's living in sin when you're not willing to repent and turn back to God and live right. There can be Christians who live in sin. It's not pleasing to God. He still loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. Why? Because sin is what separates us from God. And he's coming for a bride that is separate from the world. So Paul pleads with us in Romans 12.1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, please, By the mercy of God, present your body to God as a holy, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is the true way to worship. This is your reasonable service. This is not asking too much is what he's saying. He gave us everything. He gave us his word to wash us and to to adjust us. He gave us his blood and shed his blood so that you could be clean. The least you could do is use the things he gave you. Wash up with the word. Cleanse up with his blood. And live to please God. I have to show you this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, that you, you have a part to play. It's not an automatic. Just because Jesus shed his blood or just because he gave us the Holy Spirit or gave us the word, it's not an automatic that you're clean. Let me ask you this. Maybe I shouldn't ask <laughs> How many of you have showered in the last couple days? (laughs) Good. woo! All right. Just knowing about the shower, was that enough? Or did you actually have to go physically get in the shower and grab some soap and scrub up? Yeah. We have a part to play. To clean and purify our vessels. He gave us the soap. He gave us the water. But it's our job to make sure that we're presentable. And if you're not, it's like you're not taking showers and you stink. You're a stinky temple. (laughs) After service, we'll each get a soap bar. So remember this. (laughs) I'm joking. Actually, there might be a stash downstairs. I don't know a whole bunch of bibles We can hand those out we have a part to play it's not enough to know about a shower it won't make us clean unless we jump in it it's not enough to know about the blood of jesus and what it did for us if we're not applying it if we mess up it's not enough to know the word because even the devil knows the word and he, him and his angels tremble. You have to do it. You have to apply it. And where it tells you you're wrong, make a change. I, had, I love when I find, I, I don't love when someone tells me. I, I pointed to, <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> I don't love it. But I do think about it. And then I do pray about it. And if the Lord shows me, I make a change. But the word is final say. His word doesn't change. What pleases him isn't going to change for you just because you want it to. Just so you know, God's scrubbing right now. (laughs) Let it wash you. Let it correct you. When you read it or you hear it and you're not doing something that the Word says to do, it's only for your good. So make the adjustment. Otherwise, you're like Adam and Eve hiding with fig leaves. What is that going to cover? Because God sees all that. You're not fooling God. They still were accountable to God. They still had to tell him and repent and fess up to what they did. What did they do? They listened to the devil. And not only did they listen and entertain the devil, they did what the devil told them to do. First of all, we shouldn't even be giving the enemy the time of day. The minute we hear something that's contrary to the knowledge of God, and you should know the word so that you know if it's contrary to the knowledge of God, the minute you hear it, you should be casting it down and not entertaining anything that's contrary. And they did that. So they hid themselves because they were embarrassed because they were dirty. How could I get all of that from a dream of having Jim Hockaday at a dirty restaurant? (laughs) I started laughing when I realized what the download was all about. And I was like, God, you're so great. So we have a part to play, to apply and let the word wash us. You know, you got to meditate on the word. Even that just one passage, we could breeze right through it and not realize that the word of God is what cleanses us and keeps us holy. The blood of Jesus was shed for us, but if people aren't using it and aren't applying it, it's not going to do them any good. There's people out there in the world that aren't applying it and it's not doing them any good until they receive what he did for them on the cross, right? The moment we receive what he did for us on the cross, he cleansed all of our past sins. But now it's our job to keep ourselves pure, to, for you to present your body as holy. How can you do that unless you're keeping yourself holy through the washing of the word? Through the confessing of your sins and applying the blood of Jesus. <sighs> Nobody wants a dirty bride. They want one that's washed, that's prepared, that's ready. Brides will spend two years preparing. I don't know, back in the day when they were preparing Esther, they spent the whole year pampering, only washing her with certain oils and, and, and only feeding her certain food so that the inside and the outside, everything was so pure and so great. Yet, we're a bride and we're presenting ourselves to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the groom. And we think we can, on the day that the trumpet blasts, <laughs> We can roll out of bed totally unkept, unholy, unrighteous. You're not going to have a heads up, by the way. So it's up to you to keep holy, keep pure, keep letting the word make adjustments in you. So that when that day comes unannounced, you come before the judgment seat of Christ and you hear, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Like the the men with the talents. You have taken care of the vessel I gave you. You have been used for my glory. And you even purified yourself so that you were ready for my return. If you're taking notes, you can write down Matthew 25, 1 through 13. And you can read about the ten virgins where five were ready. They had their oil. Their vessels were filled with the oil, representing with God's presence, with God's Holy Spirit. And the other five were unkept brides. Not prepared, not ready. Why? Because they were enjoying the the lusts of the flesh, the, the, the stuff in this life, so focused on this life, not keeping themselves holy and pure and not continually being filled with God's presence. So they weren't ready. God wants us ready. It says at the end here, Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour when the groom returns. Sure, we all want to go to the wedding feast, don't we? Sure, we all want to be used for his glory, and we all raised our hands. We want to be a part of the glorious church in this last day, shining the light. Guess what? Sin is a bushel. It covers the light. Sin makes you look like the world. You blend in. And we're not called to blend in. We're called to be a light unto this world. We're called to be pure and holy so we can show forth the goodness of God. So that he can shine through us. And you, you don't even need to say like, oh man, I have so much work to do. No, all you got to do is welcome the Holy Spirit to do a cleansing. And then that from that point, and that's by the power of the Spirit, instantaneously, if you'll confess your sins, He's faithful and just to come through with His blood and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, you are now pure and holy. Right? But from there, keep in the Word. And then the Holy Spirit reminds you of what the Word says, and, and you're starting to step into something that's that's not pleasing him, back, back up and stay in. His presence, stay with what pleases Him and keep yourself pure. Keep yourself holy. Jesus scolded the Pharisees. He scolds the teachers of the law about being so concerned with their outward appearance to man. Because if you would maintenance your heart, if you would maintenance your spirit man and keep it pure, the outside also would be presented clean, and pure. So he says in Matthew 23, 25 through 28, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. I don't know, I don't want to be called a hypocrite. I don't want to come here and preach the word, but then I have all kinds of dirt on the inside of my temple. That's what they were doing. That's what Jesus was saying to them. You're here you are. You're, you're preaching the word, and, and from the outward appearance, everybody thinks that you're doing what is right. But yet on the inside, I've been trying to tell you you're not, you're living to please self. You're living for pride. You're living for this and that. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you're hypocrites. You clean the outside of your cup and dish first, but the inside is full of greed and indulgence. It's like when you do your dishes and there's crusties on the inside because of the cereal or spaghetti or you left it in there dirty overnight and it crusts. (laughs) I don't know anything about that. He's telling them they're crusty. You've got dirt on the inside and you just wash the outside, but yet the inside is still filled with grossness. He said, you're blind, you Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. This is the portion of scripture that spoke to my dad when he got saved. He said it literally came up off the page and became this big. Woe to you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs. They look beautiful on the outside, but the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything that's unclean. In the same way, On the outside, you may appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Powerful. My dad went to his knees. He was a Catholic, not really practicing Catholic, and he said he was drunk while reading the word. And this supernaturally lifted up off the page, and God was calling him a whitewashed sepulcher, something like that a whitewashed tomb that looks fine to the world on the outside, but on the inside, he was full of dirtiness and he saw his need for Jesus. He saw his need for the blood of Jesus and he called out on Jesus and Jesus came in and cleansed him and saved him. We all need a savior, right? The, we all can agree that the world needs a Savior, but what we don't do is we don't keep our vessel clean. We allow things in that dirty us. He wants a vessel fit for his use. In 2 Timothy 2.21, he says, If a man therefore purges himself, let me stop there. Who purges? Who? You purge you. You allow God to come in and clean. You hire him. (laughs) Come on in. You welcome him. Come on in. You have to open the door. You have to give him permission. If a man therefore purges himself from these, then he shall be a vessel of honor. Sanctified, meet, means ready, For the master to use you and prepared for every good work. We are in the last days, and this is the days of the glorious church where God is going to do mighty miracle signs and wonders. But he's coming for a bride that's able to demonstrate these things to the world so that the world won't be lost and dying and without hope. But we need to be a bride that is pure, that can contain his holiness. He's holy. We are not our own. We are his temple. Keep it clean. If it, if it, if it means, <laughs> let me use myself as an example. If it means a little less housework and a little more inner housework, then do that. It's more important. Hallelujah. He wants to fill you. He wants to use you. But we need to allow him in to come and clean, to mend, to restore, to deliver. Who wants to you know, sail on a ship that has cracks and breaks and leaky? None of us. You wouldn't want to sail because you're going to sink. We want God to live on the inside of us, and we should be able to release li- rivers of living water and, and touch every person that we come in contact with, with his spirit. But if we ourselves are a vessel that is unfit for his use, and to say we come to church and we're getting filled up, but because we're we're in sin, because we have gone through trauma and, and we haven't allowed him to come in and heal us, we've got cracks and breaks and, and things in our lives that is causing, we come and get filled, but the minute we get out there, whoosh, It's coming out so fast, and we're not filling up fast enough. We need to invite him in to cleanse us, purify us, mend and heal and deliver us. All by his power, but he needs your permission. So that he can make you a vessel fit for his use. So you can make a bigger impact on this world. And on those he leads you to. I want to be found ready for my groom. I want Jesus to cleanse me. I want to give him permission. Cleanse me, Lord. Mend me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. Deliver me, Lord. Rather than hiding in your sin, trying to cover it up, trying to put on that happy face or that holy face when you walk into church. I know why you sit in the back. No, i kidding. <laughs> You're not hiding from God. <laughs> Larry, no, I'm <just> kidding. <laughs> it's my father-in-law. <laughs> we should come prepared and ready so that when we come to church all that happens is God fills us. Not that we're never going to get, you know, a little slap here and there from the Lord. <laughs> Straighten up. But when we come and we've been maintenancing our own lives and, and coming and, and we messed up, we confess and we get right with the Lord. And we're on our knees throughout the week and we're welcoming him to, to purify us and amend us and heal us and deliver us. Then when we come to church, we're coming and we're being filled up and we become a Supply. And we, we start overflowing with his glory and make a really big impact on this world. I, I believe that when the disciples were in the upper room, this is what the Lord was doing. He was healing because some of them had broken hearts for what they've gone through in life. Because stuff happens. He was delivering because some of them had opened up to, to attacks of the enemy through sin, He was delivering and, and, and he was setting free. He was preparing their vessel to be ready and fit. And finally, he was about to fill them. And when he filled them, because they were ready, because they were purified through the word, and and by the spirit of God, he was cleansing them, and and by the blood of Jesus at this point, he was able to wash them clean. Then when he came to fill them, they were overflowing. The spirit of the Lord set upon them, and they went out and turned the world upside down. Why? Because they were a pure bride. Because they were vessels fit for his use. Why do we think that the church doesn't operate the way it did in the book of Acts? Why is there only a sporadic few? I believe it's just because we have not maintenance our vessel the way we ought to. Because we're waiting for God to do it when we have a part to play. Which is welcoming him in to clean and to purify. In Revelations 19.7, let us be glad and let us rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb with his bride and the bride has prepared herself. Again, the ball is in your court. It's up to you to prepare yourself. This is interesting. In each passage, there's something for us to do. We prepare ourselves. We purify. We purge. It's we have to welcome him to do this. It doesn't say the Lord prepared her, but it says she prepared herself. God has done everything he's ever going to do. Jesus died and shed his blood already. He gave us his word. There's not another word. So now it's our job. Wash with the word. Cleanse with the blood. Make adjustments in our lives so that we're vessels fit for his use. In 2 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3, the Lord and and Paul saying, I am jealous for you with a jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure, undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Don't be deceived by the enemy, but be constantly maintenancing your vessel, presenting yourself as pure. If something impure, unholy, you know, comes across your, your Site on, on YouTube or on on Facebook or on you know a joke that somebody's even telling you. Don't let it in. If you if you give way to it too much, ask the Lord if it grieves your spirit, if it grieves the Holy Spirit, repent right away. Get back in line. Don't let it go on and on. We're not saved through our own righteousness. We're not saved by works, but we stay pure and holy by our own maintenance. Welcoming him to cleanse us, purifying our hearts. In Psalms 119.11, David said, I have hid your, what? Word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. That means the word helps us to not sin. How? It shows us the right way to live. So what's our responsibility in that? Just to know it? No, to make a change. Let it purify you. Let it wash you. Let it change some things. In Psalms 119, 105, and 6, David said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Listen, I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. His word shows us how to live righteous. Let it show you. We're not saved by our own righteousness, but by the blood of Jesus. We must apply it. We must confess our sins, as 1 John 1, 9 says. And he's faithful and just to forgive us if we'll confess them. If we'll purge ourselves, then we'll be a vessel. It's not going to happen otherwise. I want to be used by God, you say. I want him to come and not to see me like Adam and Eve, hiding in my sin. And all you have to do is the word. All you have to do is welcome the Holy Spirit to strengthen you by the power of his spirit so that you can resist temptation and the devil will have to flee. You just got to do the word. Faith without works is what? Dead. It's not enough just to know it. You got to do it. The Lord gave me the scripture. Don't return to your sin or to that impurity like a dog, it's vomit. I heard this in my spirit, and I was like, hey, I'm pretty sure that's a scripture. Proverbs 26, 11, sure enough. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. How often have we sinned in the same area over and over and over again? That's that scripture. Returning to its own foolishness like a dog does its vomit is so gross and we try to catch him when Teddy goes out, goes to the bathroom, and then tries to eat it. That's grosser than the vomit thing. We had to watch him go and say, get in here. <laughs> Don't return to the grossness that comes out of you. Don't return to sin that has already tripped you up in the past. It's as gross and as ugly and as disgusting as a dog returning to his vomit or otherwise. Don't do it. That's what the word says. So next time you think about doing that thing that you've fallen into before, say, (laughs) (laughs) think about what you're actually doing, he says. It's as disgusting to me as you returning to your vomit. Let the word purify. Something like that should change your life. Oh, Lord Jesus. Two more scriptures, and then we're just going to give God a chance to cleanse us. You're going to leave here holy. You're going to leave here pure. You're going to leave here righteous. Why? Because you're going to act upon the word, and you're going to welcome him in to do a cleaning. You're going to open up those back hidden bathrooms that you were hiding from him. I wasn't like you out, but if you have a bathroom, <laughs> you want to come clean mine. No, don't. You don't want to come clean. That's just gross. Okay, Malachi three two and three. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal, like a strong. Listen to this like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. This is God. Why? He's so serious about wanting purity. He's a holy God. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, that's you and I, refining them like gold and silver so that they may once again, why? Why? We were before, and then we got into sin, and now we got to be cleansed again. This is our life, but we should constantly be striving, not in our own power, but by the Spirit, by the washing of the Word, by the plying the blood of Jesus to stay a ready and fit vessel. Don't get so dirty that you need three showers to smell good. <laughs> That you need to overnight in that tomato (laughs) bath to get rid of the stink. Am I making a point? Like a strong soap that bleaches clothes, he will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Church, present Yourself as a glorious church, a vessel of honor, fit for his use, a temple of the Holy Spirit, one that he wants to have his way in. Purify yourself. You have a job to do by washing of the word. You can start playing that song. In Psalms 5, or Psalms 51, 7 through 12 says, Purify me. No moving around in here, please. We want to just pray this prayer. Purify me, Lord, from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Give me back my joy again. Sin steals from us. Give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Let me rejoice. Lord, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of guilt from me. Lord, create. This is your invitation. Lord, create. Welcome you in. Create in me, once again, a clean heart, a pure heart. Renew a loyal, clean, ready, fit vessel. Kind of spirit within me. Lord, don't don't banish me from your presence. I want to live and abide with you. Don't take the presence of your Holy Spirit from me because whenever we're in sin, it it just it, it divides us from his presence. Don't take it from me. Lord, restore to me the joy. Of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of knowing I'm in right standing with you. And Lord, make me willing to obey your commands. I just heard this song in my heart all week long. Lord, purify my heart. Let's just pray. You just pray. You welcome the Holy Spirit to come do a cleansing. You welcome the Holy Spirit to create in you a clean heart. You welcome the Holy Spirit to purify your hearts. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Yes, have your way. We open the door to you, Jesus, to come in and clean and purify. Refine us. Cleanse us, Lord, through the washing of your word today. Cleanse us, Lord, through your blood. We just come before him and, and actually confess anything that he's showing you that has been wrong. Confess it to the Lord. Lord, I repent. Lord, I am sorry. Lord, I am turning from that. I'm going to get back on the right track right now. Repent and ask him for forgiveness. Ask him to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And he will come cleanse you. Lord we pray, purify our hearts. Purify our hearts. Refine us, Lord, with the fire.